Well, good morning, Inland Empire Church. I'm so grateful to be able to uh, uh, to be together here today and to be able to get into the Word. And uh, I want to I want to throw a special shout out to all the high school and college graduates of the class of 2020. I know this has been such a bizarre year to graduate, but uh, but at the same time, I really hope that you really feel special and honored. Um, and encouraged uh, at this time. It'll definitely be a memory, for sure. And, uh, you know, this has been actually a pretty emotional thing to get ready for, because this is going to be my last sermon preaching to all of you in the Inland Empire before my wife and I get ready to move to the East Coast. And definitely want to just say how much we really love uh, this church, love the the Inland Empire church as a whole, and each individual church that we've been a part of uh, for so many different reasons. And uh, We are going to miss you guys terribly. Um, I want to say a quick word of prayer, and uh, and then I want to get into uh, our, our discussion here as we, we open up with our new uh, sermon series. All right, let's say a prayer. God, thank you so much for the chance that we get right now to be in your word. I pray that you will open up our hearts and our minds to what you have to say. I pray that you will help us to uh, to be ready to engage with you in, uh, in your scriptures. I pray that you'll speak through me, give me wisdom, and uh, I just love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So we are starting a new sermon series today uh, called Rooted. And it comes specifically from a, from a verse in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 7. And it says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith that you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. You know, this the word rooted, what it, what it, what it conjures in our mind should be this picture of, of something that's healthy and strong. That, that when you're rooted in, in a healthy way, you're able to withstand storms. You're able to, uh, to be grounded no matter kind of what happens in life. And what he also says is, is that he wants us to be built up from being rooted. So it's not just the roots that go down. There's a, there's a great uh, depiction of Chinese bamboo that it takes years for the root system to, uh, to grow into the ground, but as soon as it gets set, it shoots up uh, all of a sudden, feet after feet, because the, the roots are healthy and strong, that God wants us to be rooted in Christ so that we can be built up and, and continue to move his kingdom forward. And, you know, with all that is happening in the world, uh, within, the, within the church, the, the community around us, uh, in our personal lives, that we really want to be drawn back to Jesus. And we're going to begin our series focusing on the book of Colossians and going through uh, one of Paul's prison epistles here in the book of Colossians. And my, my title for us today is Ready Player One. And I'm going to explain why and where that connects uh, here in just a moment. But at first I want to give some background on Colossians because it's, it's, I think it's, it changes uh, it changes our perception. And I, I don't know about you, but the, the book of Colossians has been a book of the Bible that I, I've, I've had a harder time connecting to. Uh, individual verses have been fine, but overall, kind of Paul's heart and what God wants us to learn, I've had a hard time really, really getting my mind and my heart wrapped around it. And part of what helped me was really digging into the history and what uh, what Paul was trying to address to this church at the time. And like I mentioned, this was a prison letter. He had never met these disciples before. He didn't start this church. And he's writing to address concerns from his brother Epaphras, who did start the church, or Epaphras. 
addressing concerns that he had heard about that were really pulling the church away from Jesus. That actually in chapter 2, verse 8, there's a, uh, he mentions, he says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And so even in that verse, he's addressing that there were, there were things that, that, that the church was dealing with. There were things that they were being told and perspectives that they were being fed that weren't of Jesus that were pulling them away from the truth. And some of those things were Roman culture and how to live in this life as a Roman and how that affects the home. I know he especially uh, addresses that in Colossians chapter 3 about what it, what it means to live a life worthy of the gospel in a practical sense and, to, uh, and how that translates into our home life. And uh, it's not unlike us in, in, in kind of the influence that we can feel to, to, be, to be sucked into American culture and thinking. They were dealing with Judaizers. This is a big theme through a lot of Paul's letters is that, is that there were Jewish believers who were trying to still enforce or encourage disciples, the Gentile disciples, to practice Old Testament laws and traditions. And that he addresses in Colossians chapter 2. But the other thing that they were influenced by a lot was this concept of Gnosticism. And I'm going to explain it a little bit more later, but it's a view of Christianity that Jesus uh, and, and of Jesus that was heavily influenced by Greek philosophy. And it's going to be a big focus of our sermon today and kind of a perspective that I want to touch on. But in this letter, the big kind of thing that he's trying to get, a, get across to this church in four chapters is I want you to focus back in on Christ. And I want us to look at how he even starts the letter in chapter 1. So turn your Bible over to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 1. It says here, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring up from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the truth, in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world, just as it had been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, or Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So we see here Paul even open up this passage in a very similar way that he does to a lot of his letters. Just a lot of love. There's a, you know, the grace and peace to you from God our Father. That's one of like his like kind of signatures in a lot of his letters. And even though he'd never met these disciples before, there's, there's this, this spirit, this, this attitude of, of reassurance, of, of hope, of, of, you know, we're confident. We pray for you. We're confident about what you've been taught, about what you've been given, and that you're, you're in the race with us. If you look specifically at verse 3, it says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. That this is very familiar to Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. If you're a single college student, teen, or dating, uh, or, or adult, that this is kind of the, the, the date scripture. Like this, is what, this is what you write in your card after the date. If you don't really know what to say about them, it's the, it's the I thank God every time I remember you. Yeah, that one's for free. Okay. Um, 
But there's just this, this spirit of, man, I believe in what God is doing and I'm grateful for what God is doing in you. And that God has given you the truth and he's working in you as he is around the world. And that Paul is always great in the, as he starts his letters off by just kind of pulling them into the greater picture of what God is doing. And it's one of the things I love, even as, as we're doing this right now as a series in the Inland Empire, is that we are a part of it. We are in this together. That even though we can't see each other, even though there's distance, kind of like Paul writing to the church in Colossae, that, uh, that we're in this together. We've been given the truth. We're in the fight together. And I love the, the unity and the spirit that we get to carry in the Inland Empire. But let's continue on in verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have, may have endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued you, rescued us from the kingdom, the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Okay. This is, a, this is all incredibly encouraging and there's so many good things here, but in a very subtle way here, whether we realize it or not, in verse 9, Paul kind of opens it up. He kind of goes Shang from Mulan and just in a, in a very subtle, unbeknownst to us in the West, uh, in the West here 2,000 years later, he kind of did this, let's get down to business. And he says he's praying for God to fill them, to grow, to be strengthened, and to live a life worthy of the Lord and to be pleasing to him while also reminding them that they have been rescued. They are rescued people. And at face value, all these things are great for us to take. But he is actually directly addressing, addressing the Gnosticism that has affected and invaded the church. So you can take those things at, at face value, but there's a depth here when we even understand a little bit about what Gnosticism is. And I want to explain this, and, and we're going to reread this here in a minute. That Gnosticism is this concept, and it's and it's addressed in a lot of letters in the New Testament. It was a it was a view of God and of Christianity that is heavily inspired by Greek philosophy. That if you're a philosophy buff, think Plato and the allegory of the cave. That that very much affects the the, the thinking of a Gnostic. And there are things about Gnosticism that connect to biblical concepts. But there's very important way you live your life, your thinking, salvation that deviate from Jesus and from the Bible. And one of the big things about Gnosticism is the concept of the spiritual world versus the physical world, right? This is kind of, this is familiar to us as Christians. That the world that we live in is a broken version of a perfect reality that is beyond us. Plato would describe this as, as, as a world of shadows. That the things that we experience in this world are, are, are not the, the, the ideal. It's not the full picture. That when you think of a cup, you will never find a perfect cup here on the world. There's, there's a perfect cup in this reality beyond us. And because of that, the world as a whole is just, is, it's this, it's this darkened, dampened, 
broken version of, of something that's greater and more perfect beyond us. You can kind of even see that there's, there's connections to even ha- maybe how we would view heaven in here. But some of the problems with this are that, that Gnostics believe that there's only a few people with a superior knowledge. That's where the, the word Gnosticism comes from, the Greek word gnosis, knowledge. That only a few people with this superior knowledge can see and truly see and understand what the world is. Even from a, from a Christian standpoint. But here's where things really start to go awry. One of the big views of Gnosticism as a, as a whole, and there's a lot of variations of it, is that matter is evil. And this is a huge deviation from the Bible. That matter is evil. Everything that we experience here in this physical world that's made of matter, it's, it's, it's evil and it's broken. That, and what even that would mean for a Christian is that God's creations, what he made here on earth that he said in Genesis 1 was good, it can't be good because matter is evil. Everything around us is broken and damaged. It's all bad. It's all fallen. It's all decaying. And then the other problems with that is that they believe that Jesus couldn't have been a physical being because he couldn't have a physical body because our physical body is, is evil. It's matter. But because our body is matter and it's evil that it doesn't matter. Does that make sense? That what you do or don't do with your body doesn't matter in this life. And it kind of led to two different schools of thinking. One is you do whatever you want with your body. Whatever you want to eat, drink, drugs you might take, uh, pain you would cause, uh, sexually if there's anything you want to do, it doesn't matter in this world because, because there's a greater world beyond us and, and this world, our physical body matter is evil. So do whatever you want to it. Which you can, you can already know from there the, the damage that that causes, the, the impact that this has on our lives when we live our life as if our body doesn't matter and the things and the choices we make don't matter. Or the other side of it is to completely deny your body of things. You don't, you know, don't, don't touch. That's, you'll see this later on in Colossians. Don't touch. Don't, don't enjoy this world. Don't, don't, don't drink alcohol. Don't do any of these different things because you want to try to reach this ethereal plane. And this creates a lot of problems. This created a lot of problems 2,000 years ago because it creates this, this concept that we're all just doomed to destruction. Just waiting for this life to be over. That, that yeah, we were saved, but we we're saved for for the better, for just for heaven. And really what happens in this life, do whatever you want with it. And the problem with that is we either cause significant damage to ourselves or we will never live this life connected to Jesus or enjoying what God has created, enjoying the life that he's created us for, enjoying the world around us, the, 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 the mountains, the ocean, the animals, the plants, all those we're never going to enjoy that because this world has just fallen and doomed to destruction. Now, you may be wondering, what's the point? Okay. Well, what, what about us? Whether we realize it or not, we adapt forms of Gnosticism to our lives. Today, 2,000 years later, as, as disciples, as Christians. And lately, I don't know about, about you, but... I can definitely take the approach and default to this place of just the world is evil and fallen. It's, it's all burning. It's broken. And, and I just want to hold out. I just want to kind of 
hold my breath until it's over and I can get to heaven. That, that I just, I don't really want to be in this world, in this life anymore. And uh, if, you, if you haven't seen it, the reason why I, I titled this sermon Ready Player One, the, there's a book and a, and a movie that came out about it. And, and the, the story of it is that the world is so damaged. The, the current real world is so damaged and so unlivable. Society is just damaged and, mis- and malfunctioning that everybody is now in, 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 engrossed in this virtual world. There's this, this world called the Oasis that's like this big digital, not just a video game, but this place to exist that you can kind of do whatever you want, be whatever you want, live whatever life you want to live. Meet whoever you want to uh, want to meet. You can be, do whatever, whatever you feel. That's where you can exist. That that the world, the current world they were in, was so unlivable that everybody just basically was was kind of in this virtual reality all the time. You can kind of see the some of the harrowing connections to our current world and life. But it's not unlike as we're as we're getting into the Bible that I, I couldn't help but think about this this movie. Because I can feel these similar things about the life that we're in. That I can be this way about life. That, that as things have gotten hard, as I've kind of watched how, how our culture, how, how recent events have unfolded, that I can just feel like, man, I just, I just don't want to really engage this reality. This world that we're in right now. And, uh, you know, before the, the pandemic even hit, we as a, you know, my family, we were navigating some really difficult waters, some emotional things. You know, my wife was expressing her desire to, to, to possibly step out of the ministry and, 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 and be a full-time mom. And what would that look like? And what would that mean for, for our future? And could we stay here? And all those different things. And, and I was really having to wrestle with, man, how do I, how do I take care of my family? How do I take care of my wife? And, What's best for, for, for us emotionally and spiritually and financially? How do I take care of my family? That even in this transition of us going to, to Florida, there's a lot of uncertainty and, and insecurity that I was wrestling with. And man, and there, there have been times in the last several months where I've just, I've, I've felt this deep anxiety, this deep fear, this deep insecurity of, of well, whether or not I'm going to be able to take care of my family. Am I doing What's best? Am I doing what's going to please God here? And then the pandemic hits. And as we all know that, that, that when, when we first went into quarantine and lockdown and stuff, there's all this fear and anxiety and uncertainty that there's all this, this conflicting news and information. What are we doing? Should we wear masks? Should we not wear masks? Is everybody going to die? Is everybody that we know going to be infected? Are millions of people going to die from this? And the, you know, what's going to happen to the economy? I know so many of you even, even lost your jobs or were, were, were furloughed or something uh, in the middle of all this. And, and the lockdown, and we can't see people. And just there's so much stuff that has happened in the last three months surrounding the pandemic. And then we hit this incredibly historic, monumental um, civil unrest as a country. And this this racial divide, this this thing that takes place while we're all quarantined, these deaths occur that just are resonating, not just around the country, but around the world. That there are, there are protests going on in, in Europe and other, in other countries carrying George Floyd's name. Just 
as, as, a, as a symbol of even of all the, the injustice that, that is being felt. And I don't know why it's, why God chose for, to allow this to happen at, at, at this time while we're all in quarantine. But I mean, a pandemic took a back seat to all the civil unrest that has been taking place. I don't know how you felt, but man, I've gone through so many levels of feeling angry and just deeply sad when I, when I watched the, the, the videos of these two men that were, that were killed and, and just thinking about, about Ahmaud Arbery's mother and, and, and how painful it was to see George Floyd on the ground and, and then looking and seeing the, the brothers and sisters that I loved that just were so, so emotionally hurt and devastated by this, that this isn't a new reality that we faced as a country, but it just, it hit differently this time around. And genuinely, I have just been battling these feelings of just feeling heartbroken. And, and are we responding the way we need to as a church to this? And is it enough? And is, is what I'm doing enough? And I've gone through levels where I've just felt hopeless about the world getting better. Um, I felt helpless myself and what can I do in lockdown like this and, and what is best and what, what is going to meet the needs of our church, of these individuals even that I love that are, that are hurting so much. And I've gone through so many moments in the last three months where I've just felt like enough enough. I just want to escape this world. I just want to, I just would rather live in an alternate fantasy reality. I want to binge my favorite streaming platform, you know, whether it's Netflix or Hulu or Prime or HBO or whatever, or spend copious amounts of time on YouTube watching stupid videos and puppy videos and things like that and, or, or playing video games and just kind of engrossing myself in that alternate reality where I can kind of be and do what I want. And in, in other times, it's, you know, I've, I've even gone to social media and just, you know, spend time there just looking at memes and, and videos and stuff on social media. But that's even been a place that, that going to, going there has been full of, of all kinds of emotion and, and a lot of toxicity and political garbage and, and feelings that are just, that, that, that just, man, it, it, even that has been a place I've wanted to avoid. And where it's left me at different times is just, man, I don't, I don't really want to engage in this life, in this world. I'm out. I'm, I'm worn out. I, I, I can't, I can't deal with this. I can't do this anymore. And as I've, I've seen, different times and, you know, and it's not this overarching thing, but there have been days where I've, I've seen myself pull away from my family and kind of busy myself with, with phone calls and work. And then, I mean, that can be an escape for me sometimes. It's just, I'll throw myself into the work of the ministry. Times I've, I've, I've really, I think I've tried to escape from God. I've, I've avoided praying because my heart just felt so full and overwhelmed. That it was hard to even want to go there with God. And you know, whenever I've done that, I don't come back restored. I don't come back from video games or binging things on the internet, feeling ready to live the life that God has called me to live. 
And, and maybe none of the things that I shared practically resonate with you. But, it, but all of us have some way that we try to escape this reality. And I want you to think for yourself, where is your escape? What is the fantasy world that you go to? Maybe it's not, maybe it's not somewhere online or somewhere digital. Maybe it's, 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 it's vacations and just trying to get out of Dodge or something. But there's, you know, maybe it's shopping. Maybe it's, who, who knows? There's places that we go to as a means of escape and not, and not fully walking with what, with, with Jesus and with what God created us for. And so the audience that he's talking to in this letter, they, they would be wrestling with similar things. Or even this Gnostic influence. And I want to reread these verses here in verse 9 through 14. It says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, According to his glorious might, so that you may you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyfully, joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. That, that to these people, Paul says, We're praying for you. We're praying for you to grow in the knowledge and the will of God. Not so that you can know your Bible better, not so that you can be, you know, have memory scriptures or be more woke in whatever kind of spiritual sense you might feel. But I'm praying that you grow in your knowledge of God and his will to live this life in a manner worthy of the Lord and pleasing to him. Paul is trying to encourage the church to engage, to, to fully, to, 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 to not try to escape, to not, to not run, to not go to a fantasy world. He's saying, look, God has given us, he's given you everything you need in this life to be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so you might have great endurance and patience. He's not saying that God has given you this so that you can go enjoy this on social media or on or on a video game or or, or as you watch Netflix. He's given us this so that we can engage the life that we are currently in, even if it's from lockdown. That God's not wanting us to live in a fantasy world, but to get rooted and connected to Jesus to engage this amazing life that he's given us. And it's not from us or because of us. It's not because you've got what it takes. It's because of Jesus. If you look at verse 13 and 14 again, it says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now this sounds even a little bit like a video game, right? The, the dominion of darkness and the kingdom of the sun he loves. But he's saying, look, you've been rescued. You've been rescued from, from a darkness in your thinking. You've been rescued from a fake world. You've been res- rescued from the fallen part of things to be a part of this kingdom, the kingdom of the sun he loves. And in a separate lesson, the, the qualities and the concept of the kingdom, but one of the main things that he that, that Jesus is trying to teach us through the kingdom is that we live here on this earth in God's kingdom, how we are going to live in God's kingdom in heaven. 
That it's not we're just holding out until the kingdom of heaven. We're living here right now in this world. Escape from the dominion of darkness. We're living in this world. How it's going to translate into heaven. That, that there's, there's, there's a, there's almost a sense of, of pleading that I feel on some levels of, of, of look, don't, don't be trying to get out, get away from this. But God has given what we need through Jesus to, to, to be in it. To live this life. I want to look, skip down to, to verse 28. At the end of the chapter. It says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. That right before this, Paul is talking about all the suffering he's endured, the challenges he's gone through in life. And he's endured it for Jesus and for his church. And he says these words that from prison, from from a place where he wasn't able to physically engage with people, he's saying, look, my my goal is to teach and proclaim Jesus to everyone to help you, to help everyone who hears me, everyone who's willing to listen, to be fully mature and rooted in Christ. He says, to this end, I labor, I fight, I don't escape it, I don't, I don't stay locked up in this, in this prison, away from it all, I, I'm engaging to the best of my energy, I labor, and he even says with all his energy, that my desire is to bring people to a place of perfection, and that word perfection really is about maturity, it's about, it's about fully engaging with Jesus, that is only found in Jesus, and he says, I labor with all his energy. And I love those words because it's describing this partnership that we get to have with God. That if, if we're rooted in this life with Jesus, that he's going to supply us with all the energy that we need in order to, to be pleasing to him, in order to, to help people, in order to love people, in order to, to be present and not escape. And think about, what if that was us? What if this was us? What if this was us, church, the, the Inland Empire Church of Christ, disciples of Jesus? What if we were contending and strenuously laboring like Paul, even from the jail cells of our quarantine, so to speak, to present people perfect and mature in Christ, to get Jesus to the world where we are? What this communicates to me and what I want to communicate to you, church, is that you are needed here. Now, to engage. You may not feel it. You may not feel like this is, you know, that with everything happening that you, you want to or you feel like you can or you have something to offer. But I would contradict that with these passages by saying, look, you are needed. God wants you to engage now with the racial injustice and all the civil unrest that's going on. We need to engage, church. We need to be praying. We need to be reaching out to people to have conversations, to to hurt together, to heal together. And I'm so proud of all the things I've been seeing of people doing that within our church. But to do it even more, especially if 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 you are not of if you are not of a, a marginalized group in this country, to to engage and have those conversations, and not on social media, not dumping your opinion on social media or an article here, but to really talk to people and have a conversation and hear how they're feeling to create community 
within our church that reflects the diversity of the world that we're in, but, but demonstrates the love and unity that's only found in Jesus. People are looking for a kingdom of love. With the pandemic, your prayers are still needed. There are people that are sick, that are, that are hurting. We've got disciples that are, that are on the front lines still in the medical community and that are, that are police officers that need our prayers. Um, you're needed to meet people's physical needs, to share your faith, that people are still, people are, 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 are studying the Bible. They're wanting to know Jesus right now in unique ways, to, to share your voice with people. People are becoming disciples and it's awesome. What that communicates is that people are looking for a kingdom of love in this broken world. Disciples, you're needed at home to engage. Married people, your spouse needs you to engage with them. Parents, your kids need you to engage with them. To even talk about the challenges and how they're feeling and what's going on in the world. Single people, you need to engage your roommates, your family members, the community that you're in. Disciples, no matter what your stage of life or your age, you are needed to engage in the kingdom of the love of Christ right now in our current circumstances. You know, we're going to be taking communion here in just a moment. And I want us to look at, at, at verse 15 here in Colossians chapter 1. As we get ready for that. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. We're going to come back to that. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. We keep reading the rest of this section. It's just as powerful and poignant. But really what Paul is communicating here to these to these Christians that are being inundated with philosophies and worldviews that were not Jesus, he, he's pulling them back in this kind of poetic sense to who Jesus is. And he basically is saying, look, everything in our lives is about Jesus. All things were created by him and for him. That's power. Those, those words enough are powerful that, that this... This world is not evil in and of itself. That God did not create this earth evil. He created it good. And it was created by Jesus for him, to serve him, to honor him. It's always been about him since Genesis chapter 1. He also brings up the concept, he says, all things hold together through Jesus. And I love that imagery. If you've seen the indescribable videos from Louis Giglio, he, he uses the, the concept of laminin, the 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 cellular structures in us that, that hold our cells together to, to illustrate this verse, that Jesus is at the core here of everything that we are, that, that all things that are important in this world are held together. Our sanity, our peace, our, our hope for the future, everything that we desire, it's held together 
in Jesus. And it says so that in everything he might have the supremacy. And this is the only time in the Bible this word shows up. Supreme, supremacy. And and in short, what it means to me is every philosophy, every school of thought, every political opinion, how to handle the, the, the civil unrest that we're in, the uncertainty of, of, of what to do in, with, with the medical world and COVID-19, all of it, everything, Jesus is supreme. There's nothing better that we're going to get than being rooted in Christ. He is ultimate. He is everything that we, would, we need, we desire, and we chase after. Not a fantasy world, not, not something digital, not something beyond us. Jesus is here with us in this world, helping us to live a life worthy. And the other part that I said I wanted to revisit is this is that Jesus sacrificed himself. He gave himself on the cross for the reconciliation of all things. And I love this word in the Bible, reconciled. And in a deeper spiritual sense, it's, it communicates the, the we as enemies of, of, of God in our sin have the chance to, to be brought in and reconciled in a broken relationship, to go from enemies to family, to children, to sons and daughters of God together. But I think there's there's parts of this that even resonates in what we're experiencing in the world right now. That Jesus sacrificed himself to create reconciliation. To create a kingdom that we participate in on earth and in heaven. He brings that up. The, the, the spiritual, the heavenly, but also the earthly. That the, a reconciliation that bridges racial, cultural, and social divides. That allows us to enjoy this life, this world that God created for good. Not for selfishness and not for our own, for our own gain, but, but to enjoy it with God as we walk along this life with Jesus. And he closes in verse 20 by saying that God is making peace in this life, giving us peace through the cross. The only hope we have is Jesus. The only peace that we have is Jesus. And it is all made possible because of this, because of the cross. And I pray that, that today, as we're about to take this communion together, but as we, as we look into the future, as we're, as we're diving into the book of Colossians and Ephesians, that you will allow God to lead you to Jesus right now. To not be stuck in a place as we're quarantined for however long or whatever of, of wanting to escape our current reality with all of its frustrations but to engage it, to be, to be led closer to Jesus and being rooted in Christ right now. And as we take communion, I want to encourage you to consider, not in a guilt way, but, but in a humble way, if you've been in a Gnostic way of thinking, trying to escape the world and the reality that we're in, or if you're really engaging fully, rooted with Jesus through the cross to live this amazing life that he's given us, but this is a life worth living. And as we close in a word of prayer here, I did just want to say again, we love you all. Kelsey and I and our kids, we love you all so much. And we trust God to continue to, 
to, to continue the powerful work that he is doing here in the Illinois Empire. We love you. and We will miss you dearly. Let's pray and take communion together. God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for meeting us where we are. That as heavy as the world can feel right now and, and, and just at different moments in these last three months and just in general, God, that, that what you say is that because of you sending Jesus in his life, but also in his death, that we have everything we need. We have the energy to engage. We have, we have patience. We have, we have strength to live not, not some alternate life, not a life that's just preparing for heaven, but live this life worthy of you, worthy of him. And I pray right now that as we take communion, as we, as we break the bread and drink the juice, that we will, that we will connect with Jesus. That we will, that the songs we sing, whatever it may be, will pull us into who we are because of him and the life that we get to live because of him. God, I love you. Thank you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.